Greetings to each one this morning. In the name of Jesus, we are privileged to be here. Just the continued prayer requests that were given this morning, it almost feels like jumping to something totally different and just what people face today. And I mean, we have lots to be thankful for. And it's our duty, our responsibility to uphold and help those around us in prayer and support whatever we can. And along with what Brandon said about if you know of people that would be meeting to specifically worship Satan, my mind goes, let them do what they want. Who cares? Is that what we're supposed to do? Anyway, I was challenged with that. However, <clears throat> I am going to give you what I have here in notes this morning. And so it is um, one that is not um, something I see. It's, it's a message of warning more than anything. And if any of you would care to tell me, you may, what the Tenth Commandment is. I had to do the same thing, so I thought, well, maybe somebody, <coughs> maybe somebody would know it right off. The Tenth Commandment is somewhat lengthy, but the first part of it, it says, Thou shalt not covet. And now you're going, yeah, okay, you know which one that is. We do. We know what the Ten Commandments are. And this um, topic or subject was started way back and just progression how this started and where it come from. So preaching back even months ago, we were um, on the subject of idolatry somewhere or another and Verses in studying came across about covetousness, which is idolatry. And we weren't studying covetousness, and it kind of was in my mind. And I didn't really think a whole lot about it until I started hearing comments, you know, back a while about money and Christians. And if you want to put Mennonites in there and Baptists in there, they're there was just numerous comments that came uh, to me through different, not just church people here, but other ones. And one of my verses I've I mean, sticks in my mind a lot is in Luke, and that's where we'll be going. But I, I studied and um, had my notes, and I, I took them to Geneva, New York, um, when I was away a couple Sundays back. And so that's what I shared up there, and it was one that I thought, well, at least I have some notes. I have, know what to share. Times get busy, and it was a busy week. And so I'm somewhat uh, back up. I don't feel like any of you specifically have this problem. But it is given in Luke, and you can turn to chapter... 12, we'll be reading there after a while, but 
just I'll just back up a little bit before we get into Luke, Luke chapter 12 here. Covetousness, which is idolatry. And so I, I kept going off of those verses just to get my mind back where it was when I was reading that and, and, and putting, uh, putting that together. And I realized, and I put down here verses of, you know, what God really sees about this. And it's one of those things that we say, well, we don't have so much of a problem with that. And I don't feel that in this church especially with a building project coming and hey here comes the money it's not like we're out to we're out to get but the the warning there and just in seeing a couple verses even since I um, preached up in New York that covetousness is pretty serious in God's eyes and how God looks at it Exodus 18:21 just a few verses here. Some of them I would have maybe alluded to. It reads like this. Moreover, thou shalt provide out of all the people able men, such as fear God, men of truth, hating covetousness, and place such over them to be rulers of thousands and rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifties and rulers of tens. And that was when Moses was trying to take care of all the people and it was, a, if you want to say, a qualification or a, something to watch for in choosing men to help be the rulers over the people. And it specifically says, hating covetousness. And then Ephesians 5.3, But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be once named among you as become of saints. Now, there's not different degrees of sin. When you have sin, it's, it's evil. But it's natural for us to think of evil being greater in some ways than another. And this puts it in with your fornication and uncleanness. Don't let it be once named among you as become as saints. That's different than being, you, 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 as a saint, you, you avoid that. You stay away from it. Hebrews 13.5 Let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as ye have. For he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. That is in Hebrews 13 verse 5. Psalm 119.36 Incline my heart unto thy testimonies and not to covetousness. This one verse again where you just kind of read over it, but you realize that God is comparing this to two different things. You incline your heart to testimonies and not to covetousness. There's a drastic difference between those two. And lastly here, the uh, verse in Luke, uh, talking about here in chapter 12, is Luke uh, 12, chapter 12, verse 15, and it reads like this, And he said unto them, Take heed... And beware of covetousness, for a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. And this is the passage we're going to look at this morning. Luke chapter 12, and we're going to read from 13 all the way through to 34. So if you want to follow along, we're going to read that at this time. 
And one of the company said unto him, Master, speak to my brother that he divide the inheritance with me. And he said unto him, Man, who made me a judge or a divider over you? And he said unto them, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. And he spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do, because I have no room where to bestow my fruits? And he said, This will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater, and there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said unto him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then whose shall those things be which thou hast provided? So is he that layeth up treasure for himself, and is not rich toward God. And he said unto his disciples, Therefore I say unto you, Take no thought for your life what ye shall eat, neither for your body what ye shall put on. The life is more than meat, and the body is more than raiment. Consider the ravens, for they neither sow nor reap, which neither have storehouse nor barn, and God feedeth them. How much more are ye better than the fowls? And which of you, with taking thought, can add to his stature one cubit? If ye then be not able to do that which that thing which is least, why take ye thought for the rest? Consider the lilies how they grow. They toil not, they spin not, and yet I say unto you that Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. If then God so clothes the grass which is today in the field, and tomorrow is cast into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O ye of little faith? And seek not ye what ye shall eat, or what ye shall drink, neither be ye of doubtful mind. For all these things do the nations of the world seek after, and your Father knoweth that ye have need of these things. But rather seek ye the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father, it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell that ye have, and give alms. Provide yourselves bags which wax not old, a treasure in the heavens that faileth not, where no thief approacheth, neither moth corrupteth. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. This passage is not new to any of you. I mean, we've heard it a lot. And as I went down through here, there was some new things that came out to me. And so I want to go back over these verses and just um, point out a few things, what's taking place here in this um, section of Scripture, and then maybe come back and look at how we can deal with it today. So the first thing here in verse 13 is, uh, to get the setting, it says, And one of the company. <clears throat> this is a, a group of people, and if you look in verse 1, of this chapter, it actually says an innumerable multitude. That's pretty big. And it says one of the company, and I take it to be one of the crowd, um, stood up and said, Master. And so this man had, he had an agenda, he had something he wanted to do. It, But when you say master, that that uh, is a way of recognizing that this person's greater. So he acknowledged Jesus as a teacher or one that has the authority. And this is what he said to him in the end of 13. He said, speak to my brother that he divide the inheritance with me. Now, I'm not quite so sure if he uh, was thinking that Jesus was changing things with a lot of what 
Jesus was saying, he'd say, but I say unto you, and, and Jesus was bringing new teacher teachings, and, and it's possible this man was thinking that maybe something different will come out of this, and I'm going to ask this person, Jesus, what he's going to do with this when I ask him about dividing the inheritance. Speak to my brother, he'd divide the inheritance. There may have been hope somehow that the old law from way back in the Old Testament, that Jesus would maybe change that somehow. We don't know that, uh, but it's possible, you know, why, why, was he, um, why was he getting to this? Um, and it talks about, uh, speak to my brother, which, assume it was an elder brother, someone in the family. And if you want to say inheritance problems, that's probably what they had in one way or another. But in 14, Jesus uses the word man. I'm not sure the significance of that, but he talks directly to him. Jesus says, man, who made me a judge or a divider over you? Now, that's quite a statement that Jesus makes because that's a very difficult one to answer. And he knew that. Jesus asked that. And so he doesn't even give opportunity. He just puts it right back to that man that asked it and said, who made me a judge or a divider over this situation that you have. And the man, we don't have any reference to what he said. It, I think it pretty much cornered him, put him in the spot. But Jesus jumped on that opportunity, and he turns around in 15 and says, and he said unto them, so he goes back to everybody. You know, he specifically said unto him about, the, you know, who made me a divider or judge? But he turns around and says in verse 15, Take heed and beware of covetousness. That's the title of my message would be Beware of Covetousness. He changes focus from to the man to anybody listening. Jesus took this as an opportunity to teach to anyone that's going to hear. And he uses the word take heed. That is, uh, you better pay attention with it. There's some, some sight, some hearing, uh, like, you know, what what's about to be said you better pay attention and he uses the word beware and that's beware is simply to be on guard to watch um, to keep you know and in this sense Jesus is saying you can't you can't do this for somebody else you're Jesus if I say to you like Jesus said here he said you beware that is something you have to do for yourself, by yourself, in beware. I can't beware of anything for you. I mean, I can warn you, but you can still go and do it. Like, you yourself has a cho choice to do it. But Jesus is saying, uh, beware. And he's telling each one in their own mind, watch out for this. And then you have the word covetousness. And so if we look at what this word actually means, it goes into a lot of different things. So you know the word covet is used in uh, a lot of forms, different ways throughout Scripture. And basically, the way this word's used here is in every form or every way that covetousness can be. Jesus is putting that here. Beware of covetousness. It is not in the positive way. This word <clears throat> is used 
specifically in the way that you would read it, in a negative and in a bad sense. Um, it can be covet, covet, you know, like you covet someone's prayers or you covet the uh, spiritual gifts. or the, I don't have them in front of me, but there's the word can be used in a good way. But the word here itself is in a bad sense. And it is, uh, the meaning would be is a, to lust or fix a desire upon, to desire earnestly, and even to stretch after. If you do a word study, that, that's what you get out of this. And to simply put it down to how we would define it today, it's a desire to have more. That is what covetousness is as we look at this, what Jesus is stating it here. Now, if we go to uh, a man's life, it says, Beware of covetousness, for a man's life consisteth not in abundance of things which he possesses. It, it's interesting that life can be, you, you talk in spiritual life, you, and you have physical life, and Jesus is saying the spiritual life that God has given your possessions don't matter. And we understand that. If you look at what abundance means, that is <clears throat> simply exceeding a certain number or measure. It's, it's to be over and above. And it even is in an uh, action sense. Not necessarily in, in um, just a noun, but it's in abundance. There's some, there's some things going on behind it. And then possesses would be, uh, we think of, you know, possess something as like getting something. But in this case, it's what he would have. This is the goods, what belongs to you. And to jump ahead a little bit, it's in the same as in verse 33, way at the end. Uh, sell that ye have. If you would, that phrase, uh, sell that ye have, is the same as uh, possesseth. That even though it doesn't use the same word, but in, in um, original language, it would put those two together. The things that you have. And then in uh, verse 16 to 20 is a parable. And that is common and familiar to us as well. And I just wanted to point out um, in verse 20 that Jesus says in this... Or it, Verse 20 reads like this, But God said unto him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. And I'm really not sure what Jesus was getting at, but when you use the word soul, that, that puts a lot of weight behind it. There's some, something there that you cannot ignore. It's more than just, uh, I think, more than just a physical death taking place. It's what is the eternity of your soul and what's going to take place of it. He's saying, Thy soul shall be required of thee. Uh, there in verse in verse 20. But if you jump down to um, 21 yet, that's the, that's the ending of the, the parable. And it says, So is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. There in verse 21. He puts this parable in perspective. And Jesus does not let us off the hook with it because he says, So is he. And that means that any one of us could end up being a so is he. You could be like that person. And it's possible for any of us to end up the same place as the rich fool did. It's not without possibility. It could happen. Jesus said, so is he that layeth up treasure for himself 
and is not rich toward God. When you lay up treasure for yourself, this was a little more interesting. I, I um, put treasure as like something highly valued and like you, you treasure a, uh, you used to think of like diamonds or rubies, you know, gems, the things that are worth a lot, silver, gold, that's your treasure. But treasure uh, has also the idea of like you, you get a whole bunch of things put together, that, that storing up and... I don't want to uh, even confuse myself in some of the way these words are, but uh, to help understand the meaning of it, um, down, uh, I have down here, uh, layeth up treasure for himself, could also be put in a phrase, treasuring to himself, with some uh, action to it, that storing up. Um, not so much about the treasure, but the act of storing it up for himself. And not rich toward God, you um, rich is interesting in how we use it. Uh, but rich is not the same as that huge pile of treasure that you have. We think of rich simply means abundance, like there's there's more, and so um, you have rich heritage, you have rich faith, you have um, lots of things more than what you're uh, familiar with, that, that's your term uh, where rich actually comes through in Scripture is just more. And it doesn't really say about that specific uh, treasure that you have, even though it would be abundance that you have. Uh, just interesting there on the difference in how the words come out through there. But in verse 22, just a couple of things down through these here. Jesus said unto him, uh, or no, says unto his disciples that he, apparently the crowd might have uh, left or anyhow. Jesus, it was just with his disciples. And he says, therefore, he just continues on with this, this whole, you know, mindset of um, wanting things or dealing with things in life. And Jesus says unto his disciples, therefore, I say unto you, and that is where he even puts more emphasis on the disciples being able to take this. And so I want us to think of us, us as disciples. Jesus gave the warning and, you know, gave the parable to the people. But then Jesus turns around and comes to his disciples with more specific details that are given here because the disciples are able to understand it. And we're under, able to understand it today too when he talks about these things that are listed here. They're still difficult for us to totally comprehend and do, but as a born-again Christian, we can understand what Jesus is trying to give to us. And in, uh, if we go here to, well, let me just note in, in 22 yet, Jesus, it, the teaching here is to go the other way from being covetous. It is uh, an opposite way. And in 20... Uh, I have down here 22 to 30, kind of all grouped together, um, comes down to do not worry what you're going to eat and wear. And in verse 29, he says not to be of doubtful mind. And in verse 30, it reads the phrase there, our father knows what thing, what we need, knows what we need that we need these things. 
how it said here in verse 30, knoweth that ye have need of these things. And so I'm not going to uh, repeat or go down through these, just wanted to summarize a little bit there, uh, verses 22 through 30. But then you get to 31, it says, but rather seek ye the kingdom of God. Now this is where we are supposed to be. Not so much worrying about the physical things, but we need to be in the kingdom of God. This is the work that Jesus would have for us. As he tells us, but rather seek ye the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added unto you. And verse 32, to, add, to, to put with that, is um, one we don't really think about when we talk about the kingdom of God. But he says, it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. But if you go back and read those first two words, sets it up for the kingdom. He says, fear not, little flock. It is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Do any of you ever feel overwhelmed about having to work in God's kingdom? I mean, there are still people that I, at times, and I wrestle with, like, how do you present something to them? You know, they're just maybe living their humdrum life, people you interact and... Jeff alluded to people at the shop. You know, how do you go about a day-to-day working in the kingdom of God? I don't know. But Jesus says, not to, I can't think the mind of Christ, but he, it's almost like he enjoys us squirming and trying to figure out how to live in the kingdom of, how to work in the kingdom of God. That's his pleasure. We don't maybe take it that way, and we don't view God as being mean, but that's his plan in the way that he has it made, that we are to be working in the kingdom of God. And he provides us with everything we need. We don't have to fear. We don't have to worry about what we're going to eat, what we're going to wear. I don't know if it talks about a place to live, but... He's going to provide the basic things that we need. And it's for his pleasure to sit back and watch his people try to do that. And I can take a little bit of comfort in that, that it's okay to wrestle with this, how to work in the kingdom of God. It's a little bit off the subject, but that comes through in this verse, I think. Fear not, little flock. It is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. And maybe there's other meanings to that as well, but that's... It's a little bit the way I took it. And then verse 33 simply is some commands about sell that you have and give alms, um, providing yourselves bags which wax not old, a treasure in the heavens. Uh, we know that when you do eternal things, they will not be removed from you. They will be there for when you get there, storing them up uh, in the heaven. A treasure, it's not going to uh, rust or corrode or be destroyed. And then in verse 34 it says, For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And I, if I find spare time sometime, I, I would really like to study more on what the heart is. It, it's, it's one of those where it, when you read dictionaries and, and resources and whatnot, they'll, they'll give you their attempt to understand what the heart is. The Bible tells us, but 
it just says, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Uh, as was given in, in you know, what I could study a little bit, it says it's where your moral and your mental activity take place. Well, yeah, but there's a lot more to that as well, maybe. But your heart and your treasure will both be working together for good or bad. I don't think you can separate these two. Where your treasure is, your heart's going to be there too. So I want to back up again. I know we're kind of going uh, back and forth, but start, go back to chapter, or back to verse 13. And we're going to start in on some things that I, um, for myself, learned from these verses in what we're doing today. In verse 14, I know we talked about what was taking place here, but it is clear in verse 14 that Jesus refuses to be a judge because the kingdom of God, as we were talking about here, is not to be judging in the money affairs of other people and the physical things that are on this earth it is not the job of us as working in his kingdom to discern those things now you say you have to yes you do but that is not the main emphasis and when i say you have to i mean brother jay here's our deacon it's that's we know that's the place that the church and things, you're going to run into some money things or you're going to have to make some decisions. And I understand that. You can't get away from that. But if you were to take it as what Jesus wants us to be, he's saying, don't go jumping into how you're going to decide on money matters for people. That's not where the point is. He turns around and takes this, this man that said, you know, divide the inheritance. And Jesus turns around and goes right to where the heart issue is and what the problem of the whole thing was. And that's where you get take heed and beware of covetousness. It is to be targeting sin and not judging other people's consequences of sins. We see money problems a lot of times as as a big complicated thing. And for us to be in the kingdom isn't to go there and try to sort out all that. It's to back up farther yet and say, What is the real deal? What is the sin issue in this problem? Jesus did it here, and that is our responsibility today. To judge, if Jesus would have judged and made a ruling to this man, what would have that helped? And along with that, all the time and energy that Jesus would have wasted by trying to decide this man should get this much money and this one should just... It wouldn't even got to the root of the problem. And it's a good example for us to follow today. The kingdom of Jesus Christ today is to make known the wickedness of the heart. The people around. This is what Jesus did. So verse 15. I don't know how you take this verse. You can take it a lot of different ways. Christian life is not about possessions. You may have heard already that your net worth here on earth doesn't have anything to do with your eternal worth. I believe that. Can you have treasure on earth and in heaven? 
Jesus said, and we've alluded to it in 34, where your treasure is there will your heart be also. Can you have a divided heart? Any volunteers here this morning give half their heart away? doesn't work that way. The desire for more needs to be constantly scrutinized by the Spirit of God in our lives. Interesting to note, the Tenth Commandment, Thou shalt not covet, is the only one that is committed in the mind. And I never realized that. But all the other ones, you actually have to go out and do a physical action. But when it says, do not covet, that's a mind. And maybe that's why it's at the tenth one. It's, it's to enter into what the old law, to get us into what the new law is, where Jesus says, don't look on a woman. Don't hate your brother. The, the things in your mind are wrong. And they're not the way Jesus wants us to live. And so Jesus here said, you better watch out. Beware of covetousness, is what he's saying here in verse 15. Now verse 16, you have to look at this parable and say, well, what, what is Jesus actually saying here? And it's what I take from it in verse 16 is, is that God is the one who gives plentifully as he chooses. And that's what it needs to be recognized as. And we know of people that do that. They become uh, rich in abundance of things and they say, I haven't done this. The Lord has given it to me. That is a proper way of viewing riches. But it is up to us as stewards how we use the things we're entrusted with. That's what God, He gives us the things and what do we do with them? And I don't think, as I see it here in verse 16, God does not oppose wealth and riches. You, you see that in Scripture a lot. Jesus, God, uh, likes that over an abundance of things. The, um, and I won't even attempt to go there. But God's not opposed to wealth and riches. Now verse 21 I alluded to it already. So is he that layeth up treasure for himself. We are no different than the rich fool if we are storing up for ourselves. And this is where these comments came through about Anabaptist Mennonite and how they relate with money. And I don't know if any of you, the one I took was the other Sunday night when Randy Bridge was at Millmont. I don't know if any of you remember there, if you were there or not. He was sitting around with these Community men at the restaurant. Saturday morning, like he would do, just a means of interaction. And one of them unknowingly said that these Mennonites, they just, he's like, he doesn't know what it is about them and their money, how they act. And, and however the phrase was worded, Randy turned and he looked at him and said, is that how we are? And the man just didn't realize that Randy was a Mennonite. And... In my mind, they go, why did, why did that man make that comment? Why did he associate us as, you know, wanting money? Or, or I don't remember the exact, uh, you know, phrase that that community man said, but it sure had to do with, with money and riches, maybe, or extra, abundance. And I wrote a note here this morning. Jeff said, you wake up in the morning, uh, 
most of you probably try to make as much money as you can in a day. Now, there's nothing wrong with that. But, like, how is our mentality with, with uh, laying up treasure? And the warning is, is that so is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. So that puts us on the, okay, we can, we got to watch out for this. But if you are, and I, I don't feel like we, this is a, you know, a huge problem. And I'm glad that, like, the title you can say, just beware, watch out. But how do you know where you're at in this? There's a couple answers in here that you can, you can uh, check yourself with. And that is jumping down to verse um, 33. Jesus says, sell that ye have. You will know if you overcome covetousness by your ability to sell or to give. And even to give that which you want to keep for yourself. The ability to give that which you want to keep is an indication you're free from covetousness. You can let it go. And part of that reason you can let it go is is because you took your confidence and trust in those riches, those treasures, whatever possessions they might have been, and you're moving it over to a trust and faith in God, which is what brings pleasure and glory to God when we don't trust in what we have and we say we don't need it, we need God. That's... Very easy to state, but yet when the uh, bills keep coming in and there's no money there, that's a whole different part deal. I mean, it's, it's real out there. And just a question I put down, what, what do you want in life? You know, do you really want a big bank account by the time you're old? So then, we need to keep ourselves free from worldly possessions that might ensnare us. That's kind of along with, um, you know, being able to sell and give. That frees you a person. And this came from my brother as an accountant, Nate. Uh, He said, if you want to know... Uh, the problem of somebody that just wants to keep getting for themselves. He says, you'll never, you'll never get anywhere with them and said, until you can convince them to do the opposite and to start giving something instead of trying to get. And if you have a fleshly heart, a human heart this morning, even as maybe little when you were a teenager, it's, you filled that little drawer in your bedroom just as full as you could make it with every treasure you, you could get your hands on. I mean, it, it could be who knows what. You know, different for all of us. But you just wanted, oh, that's something I can stack it up. Put it in there. I got it. But when Jesus comes along and changes a person, they can take that which they think they have to have and they can give it to somebody else. With that element of faith that says, 
God's going to provide for me. And Jesus jammed this whole thing of what to eat and what to wear right in the middle. And that's why I had to read the whole, like, it seemed like you could stop at verse 21 where it just ends with that parable. But it didn't. It, it kind of makes a whole circle and comes back around to verse uh, 33. Jesus says, sell. And if you haven't ever done that, I, I would uh, not recommend it. Jesus commands you to do it if you have trouble. You have to take that and you're tuning away. I, I know how it is for myself in my life. Um, so for me to even give examples of me isn't going to match where you're at because everybody, everybody faces it in their own different way. But in verse 34, if you get to the last one here, where your treasure is there, your heart be on. Jesus reveals the problem, and it's in the heart. Interesting how in our Sunday school lesson, um, I know I made comment about the heart, and it was in our text, and I, I think that is really what, what comes back to is, um, is what's in your heart. Like I say, what, what, what is your heart? Um, yeah, we know it, but uh, that, that's just like the, the, the core central part of you that uh, wants to be a Christian, and, and that's where it comes back to you. Your desire, your, uh, your wanting to serve God, and a verse in 2 Corinthians, it's chapter 9. I'm just going to read it here, verse 7. 2 Corinthians 9, 7. may even be familiar. Some of you might know it. I didn't. But it says, Every man according as he has, as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. And this adds right into the, I mean, Paul, it, he just, I think he understood and made it a little more plain exactly what Jesus was trying to get at here in a day-to-day thing. He said, every man according as he purposeth in his heart. You got to think, you got to get it in your heart. Then it's a comma, and then it says, so let him give, and not grudgingly. Or of necessity, that you don't have to do it because God loves a cheerful giver. And that, to me, is God's way of dealing with covetousness. That you can give. And it's, you know, it's stated here. And so in conclusion, I'm just going to reread a few verses just to put the whole thing, at least for me, in perspective here, out of Luke um, it's 15 and then 21 and then 33, just to get, and 34, it's ending on, just here in conclusion. Luke 12:15, and he said unto them, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. In verse 21, So is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. In verse 33, Sell that ye have and give alms, provide yourselves. Bags which wax not old, a treasure in the heavens that faileth not, where no thief approacheth, neither moth corrupteth. And then 34, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And so it was a blessing for me to um, look at this and get a, a handle on it. And if I was to recap, the thing I learned out of it the most, and I'm... Uh, 
maybe try to give a neutral comment about my dad. He is, uh, money can be, um, you know, one thing you look at pretty hard. And, you know, having that influence, whether good or bad, it's needed. But this was clear when Jesus says, who made me a judge or divider? And that, to me, was probably the biggest thing of getting your mind off of the the little money decisions, even the other people and what they have. It's earthly. It's worldly. Get to where the kingdom of God is and where the heart is and put your time and effort into that. And I would have never even dreamed of something. You know, you read the passage and you think it's, yeah, you know what it is, but but to get the mindset of what Jesus had is just a real blessing and challenge for me. So that's my encouragement to you this morning is to beware of covetousness. Let's kneel for prayer.